You're listening to The Room Block Podcast, a series of conversations with compelling professionals from the world of events and hospitality. I'm your host, Jen Salerno. I've spent the last 20 years in different facets of the industry, working alongside a variety of people that have one common goal, to serve our customers by creating memorable experiences. Now, I want to share with you the passions, inspirations, and challenges of the individuals who make it happen. Welcome to The Room Block and enjoy your stay. This episode is brought to you by JTS Connect, offering host, MC, and moderation services for live or virtual events, as well as podcast hosting and consultation. Please email me at jtsalerno at gmail.com or visit me on LinkedIn to learn more. Greetings, RoomBlock Podcast listeners. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the podcast where hospitality and event professionals meet. Last week, I had the absolute pleasure of attending PCMA Convening Leaders in one of my favorite places ever, Las Vegas. Now, I'm not a gambler or anything. I just love the energy and the climate. No offense, Chicago, but it's rough here right now. Anyway, PCMA was, as usual, a phenomenal experience. It was extra special for me this year as I had the opportunity to present and moderate several sessions alongside some incredible people. And after a virtual convening leaders in 2021, being able to see so many industry friends and colleagues in person was amazing. Now, I realize how fortunate I am to be able to say all this. I attended in person as a healthy individual who has a relatively low risk of getting seriously ill from COVID. I have no high-risk individuals in my household, and I have a very supportive family who takes wonderful care of my children when I am gone. But for those of us who aren't ready to or simply can't travel in person for whatever reason, the strides made in the virtual event world these last couple of years are a godsend. There are now numerous virtual event platforms to choose from, each with their own special features, or as my guest on today's episode puts it, superpowers. Ho Yin Chung is the founder and CEO of Remo, which is an online interactive events platform that connects people in a more authentic way. Remo's superpower is the ability to transform the experience of connecting, communicating, and collaborating with people across the globe by humanizing online interactions. As a seasoned entrepreneur and enthusiastic remote worker, Ho Yin combined ingenuity and industriousness with a desire to create a more connected global workforce, and then translated it into a business model that is now serving the events industry. Hear all about Remo's past, present, and future, and the man behind it all in my conversation with Ho Yin Chung. Ho Yin Chung, welcome to the Room Block Podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you with us today. Hi, Jen. I'm so happy to be on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. I am very excited to have you because you are playing a very key role in the way that the meetings and events industry is shaping up, I would say, as the founder and CEO of Remo. So I want to just start by asking if you can explain to my audience exactly what Remo is. Can you explain a little bit about the platform and how the idea was born? Sure, sure. So Remo is a online virtual events platform 
and we really care about networking and how people come together and build uh, meaningful relationships through authentic conversations. Remo is sort of like a map where you can see all these different tables and you're a single, like you're an avatar, you're like a circle with like your profile picture. And when you jump from one table to the next, you will speak and you'll see the video tiles of only the people that are on that table. So what we really care about is how do we mimic and how do we uh, replicate some of the more human aspects of how human beings create relationships and have conversations. And so we are really passionate about how to make things as human as possible and building very human-centric experiences. And so Remo started off originally, I've been running remote teams for over, I think right now I've been over like nine years now before the pandemic started, where remote working was just like a a fringe trend really. And um, we started seeing that which we all see now, remote work is hard. It's hard to connect with one one, one another. And so we created a platform, which was an early version of Remo, which was actually a virtual office where people can jump from office to office and talk to people and kind of recreate that hallway conversation. And um, we found out that that wasn't the best way to achieve my mission, which is to create authentic conversation that builds meaningful relationships. And just one thing led to another, which I might be able, which we have time I can share. I pivoted into virtual events, and that's how Remo got to where it was um, today. And, and we pivoted into virtual events August of 2019, mm. like five, six, six, seven months before the pandemic came in. So, we were <laughs> what timing? Quite, yeah. yeah, I know. I mean, we never knew. We 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 were just following what the customers were telling us that would work. So it was, it was, it was great. It was, it was very, uh, it was a crazy experience for sure. That is really something. Well, so I have to admit, I, so I have used Remo before for a PCMA. Uh, they had a reception. And so the, the reception was done through the Remo platform. So I've been able oh, to use the interface. Right. And so I have to admit that when I knew that we were going to have this conversation, I was thinking about as a virtual events platform, I, did not even think about it as a way to connect remote workers. We pivoted away from virtual office to remote work into virtual events for a various number of reasons. Now, I'm still really passionate about remote work. My whole team is fully distributed. We, we're hosting our annual retreat online. It's across you know, 20 different countries. Um, it's three hours a day. You know, I, uh, you know, we, we were, we've got, you know, costumes, people are dressing up, like there's competitions and all that kind of stuff. So this is all remote work. And so even though we're not actively addressing remote work um, challenges, like head on, it, it is somewhat related to virtual events because virtual events is somewhat remote, it's distributed. And so we, we kind of still are, are tackling that problem still. So it, it, it's a great space to be. I, I love remote work. It's been something that I feel like is the way to go. And and I would never change, never change that. Okay. So what you're saying is that it's still a solution for the remote office, obviously, but that's not necessarily the problem that you're trying to tackle today. So people do use our product for virtual office and to solve remote work challenges. We have just shifted our focus to virtual events for now because that's where we find 
most of our customers and our product is most unique and provides the most, uh, the, it's basically our superpower in, in that respect oh. that no one can really, no one has really like been able to like, uh, uh, really cor- we've really cornered the market for this specific area. And so we felt that that was a much more, a better place for us to play. And, and so we just decided to, to keep on going there. Now, I do think that virtual office is something that we would want, love to tackle. I would love to tackle that someday in the future. I just, you know, I, you know, I have to be patient, which I keep always telling myself. Right. Well, and, you know, I love that you use the word superpower to say that that's what you're, that's why you're keeping the focus on the virtual events for now, because you kind of have to work within where you know you can make an impact. So then with that in mind, what are your thoughts for where you'll be taking Remo in 2022? And as far as events, they're definitely coming back in person and they're still happening online as well. How do you feel that Remo can continue to positively impact the events industry in 2022? Yeah, for us, we definitely have found a specific niche in the market where virtual events do offer a very different type of experience than in-person. In-person is, if you think about it, it's very self-selecting. You have the money, you have the time, and you really want to go there. And it's a very one or zero sort of experience. Either you go or you don't go. Right. But for virtual events, which we do cover for hybrid and also for virtual only, it attracts a very different type of, of audience where you maybe you don't want to be a maybe you don't want to be one, you attend the event or zero, you don't attend it at all, but you want to be a 0.5 or a 0.1 or even just one minute. You just want to be in the event for one minute to talk to one person and then bounce. And that has lowered the barrier for access to information and to events. The accessibility has actually been increased. And so a lot of the things that we're seeing right now is uh, there's a different audience now for virtual. And that is where we want to focus on. And for virtual events, our platform has so many different uh, use cases and industries that we have not even penetrated yet. Mm-hmm. As in, people use us as there are our customers, but we haven't really spent much time and effort in going for those customers yet. And so we've right now actually just focused on two, two industries, and that's it. And and uh, there's a variety of, of of use cases within the industries, but this really that's it. And so we're, we're really hyper-focused on just doing what we do well and just dominating in those certain areas. And then after that, we can open our eyes and just look around and you know, see what else we can, we, can, we can go and look at. I love that you said about you know, kind of using a spectrum to define people's engagement with online events, because that is so true. And I really, truly believe that so many things in life are on a spectrum and like, why not add events into that as well? Right. I mean, the fact that you can opt to participate, you know, 10% or 15% instead of that full on 100% or 0% makes a huge difference. And it really does help give options to people. And that's really what you're all about, it sounds like, is just options for enhancing the engagement of an event and obviously broadening the ability for people all over the world to join in where they might not have been able to before, especially now. Absolutely. I mean, we have uh, startup events where an individual 
from a really far off town in the middle of nowhere in like northern Scotland, and they want to participate into a startup event in London. Um, and and that is still quite a large trek, but they can attend those now. They can be part of those conversations. Physical events still can't achieve that, even though it, it's got all that great face-to-face and all that stuff. But it's there, there's there's still space for, for that. And I think the market for virtual events is bigger in that respect because then now you've got a much more bigger audience. Well, and you're tackling another issue too, and that would be just the sustainability aspect of of events. Right. I mean, that's a huge issue I know in our industry right now as far as trying to reduce carbon footprint. And so that's another reason that virtual events in some capacity, I think are in our future and here to stay f- forever. So at Remo, we are, when you ask me what do we wanna do for 2022, one of the things is that we wanna really focus on the environmental aspect. So. I'm working on making Remo carbon neutral. So we, we don't have much carbon footprint to begin with, but right. we do have some. So we want to be carbon neutral. We want to be able to offer companies the option to offset some of like for hybrid events to offset some of the hybrid costs, the physical part, carbon costs that they may have incurred and focus on how do we make the as you say kind of like drive the whole industry to more being more carbon neutral as much as possible and so that's 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 another area that we're definitely really focused on well and i had a on a different podcast uh, we were having a conversation about how virtual events are increasing accessibility for everybody um and in that same conversation the meeting planners were talking about how when they are sending out rfps now that's one of their main questions is what is your company doing to help move our industry forward in terms of you know inclusion or sustainability and so i mean it's great that that's going to be a main focus for you because people are asking that's what people are looking for meeting planners want that in their partners awesome that's cool yeah it sounds like you're <laughs> accomplishing mm-hmm. a major need so and met in more ways mm-hmm. than one now we've talked a bit about Remo, the platform, but let's talk about you as a as a person, as an individual, because you are a really unique individual, I think, in the way that you have. See, I think I've read how many different companies have you actually started? Was has it been six or seven at this point? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty transparent about the number of companies I've started in the past. Um, not all of them were successful. I mean, which is why I it's you know, I I believe that. You know, we always hear about all the great things that an entrepreneur has. We only hear about the positive stories. But the reality is, is that you have to have a lot of failures to actually like get there. And so, you know, we I've done. Um, I had a an Amazon business before uh, selling electronics on Amazon. This was back when Amazon was nothing. Like it's not the huge behemoth that it is today. And I've also created like an app, like this is one that didn't work out, like an app that if you could take a picture, you take a picture of it and um, it would, it would tell you how many calories and how many, you know, the carbohydrates, the whole nutritional information after you take a picture of it. And it actually worked. It actually worked. That's pretty cool. (laughs) How it took three minutes, but it worked. It would tell you. (laughs) So if you were really patient. (laughs) If you're really patient, it would actually do it. And, um, and so I did that. I, I've done like a whole, I've done a few other things as well. And when I started a social media SaaS platform, that's when I started to get into remote work. 
And that's what led to me then working on Remo, really. Yeah. Oh, well, you know what, Ho Yin? I mean, I, I like the fact that you're transparent about that there have been failures. I mean, the only way you can move forward as an entrepreneur is by taking those chances and trying and seeing what works and what doesn't. And what doesn't work is what's going to teach you and help you find the things that do. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that's not unique <laughs> to, to your story, but maybe it's unique that you're actually sharing about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I think like most people think that entrepreneurship or anything is like might be a quick, you know, quick money or it's, it's, oh, wow. You know, some people have been successful, but you know, I, I think entrepreneurship is just like learning the guitar. Are you going to be a rock star by learning the guitar for three months or even three years? Probably not. So, you know, most guitar, most people are really good at their craft. They spent many, many years in order to hone it and be good at it. So I think it's, it's entrepreneurship, I think is, is not uh, an exception to that. No, I would imagine it's a continuous learning process. Lifelong, right, exactly. really. <laughs> exactly. Well, and so in order to do that, keep that process going, what are some of the main attributes you think you have in order to have that kind of continued interest and continued drive to move forward? Because I, I, I do like having entrepreneurs on the show because there are unique traits that I think you have that um, other people don't and aren't willing to, to tap into in order to move, be in this kind of world. So what do you have? I think many of the people that I've observed and, and I think what, what I saw like success, like things that worked was um, you just try enough until you find something that works. A lot of people kind of think that entrepreneurs are like this special being, like they came up with all the great ideas or, you know, like, I mean, Steve Jobs even once said that, um, you know, when you really realize who, like who you, who we really are or who's what Steve Jobs is, is that he's actually not really that much different from any other person in terms of coming up with, with ideas. It's, it's just, they've tried enough times. They've just rolled the dice enough times They've tried to stack the dice a little bit more after each time they roll it. It's consistent trial and error that eventually they just have a very good idea of like what what people want and when people don't know that they need, but but you know you know that they need, and that over time like they just like for me like I I always created something and always kept building something even though it, it sucked even though it was embarrassing you show it to people and that's actually how i got a lot of my businesses um like i would i built something initially and i thought it was for x but actually it wasn't and somebody else came to me and said hey i would buy that from you i would do that can, can you do this for me instead no. you know it and they would change it and, and that is where like success kind of um, really hit and and when you hit it it's like it's really clear when you hit it mm. like people will be like i really like this remo was like this um my previous social media platform like was like this amazon was like that and when things don't work it's like crickets just just nothing works <laughs> oh. you know and it just sucks and and that's the great thing because once you realize when something works and you know what good looks like then then there's something to look forward to. There's, it's not like you're kind of out in, in like in a dark tunnel 
and you keep on like trying to feel your way out, but you don't know where the light is. That's really tough. Mm-hmm. But once I kind of like figured it out once, then I knew that, you know, I just needed time in order to get there. So that's, that's, I think, um, the advantage of, of at least getting one item on your belt and then you can kind of use that as, 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 as experience to get to the next one. Well, you know, momentum is real, I think. So when you said that you know, when you hit on something and you know right away that it's going to work because I feel like all of a sudden it's like that boulder's rolling downhill and it's like, yep, here we go, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> this is working yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. So and, and that maybe if some – like when people say, oh, you know, it's so hard to get this started. And it, like, of course, it is hard to get companies going, but maybe it shouldn't feel that hard if you're doing it right, because then you know that you're, you know, once you've hit it and it really starts working, then maybe it's easier than you think, right? <laughs> because it just starts yeah, 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 working. Sure. So another question yeah, for but... you, where did your passion come from for wanting to connect people in the way that you do with the Remo platform? Why are you so passionate about connecting people meaningfully? Yeah, so it's first started when I worked on my social media um, platform. It was a social media software, um, SaaS software that helps people grow their social media. So it's not a social media platform. It was a tool okay. to help people to grow. And at that time, that's when I started growing my a fully remote team, my distributed team. And when, when I grew the team back then, we were still using Skype. And what started to happen, and I had I didn't know anything about running remote teams. Like for me, I just called it outsourcing. I thought I was just outsourcing and, right. and just working with people from different countries. Uh, and then when I started losing people from my company and they started leaving, I had two people that left and I asked them why. One of them told me, oh, you know, I really wanted to do um, this X, Y, and Z project instead. And I said to myself, oh my God, like, if you asked me or if I knew about this, I would have totally, you know, tried to figure something out. And that's when I started realizing that the connection between people was something that you had to also recreate in an online sense. And there was nothing anywhere close to that online. Social media, it was not even close. Like it's just text. And that's when I started to feel how do I make this as human as possible? What can I do so that I can feel like I can talk to someone and start to build a relationship over a long period of time? And that's when I started get, and then and that's when I uh, started getting really into uh, recreating a lot of this type of stuff from real from real life and drawing upon that as inspiration and trying to create an experience that people can then can relate to and just say, oh, you know what? That reminds me of real life. It's not an exact replica but it reminds you and and that's what we found to really work. It's like you built it based on <laughs> to fulfill a need that you're experiencing in your own life and in your own workplace and therefore it is now helping everybody else who are trying to solve that same problem. So, I mean, it makes me think about you know, when people ask, well, what do you, what do you speak about? You know, how do you know what to, what to work on or what your keynote speech is going to be or something like that? And it's like, what you know, talk about what you know, build a company based on what a problem you want to solve for your own personal self. So that's probably why it hit, why it works, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Now, I know one other question that I have about you personally, and I've, I've read this fact about you, and I found this really interesting. So I read that you, as a child, you lived in Asia, mm-hmm. and then you moved as an adolescent to central Illinois, uh, which I'm in the Chicagoland area, so here in Illinois. That must have been quite a move and must have really shaped your perception about just the differences in in cultures and in, in the world and so how did that contribute to you know the person that you are today what what are some of the lessons that you learned from making a move like that at such a pivotal time of your life yeah so um it's it's it's, it's close it's, it's it's close so i actually was born in illinois Oh, you were? In, in, oh. In, yeah, I was, I was born in Bloomington Normal in Illinois, which okay. is a two-hour drive south um, from Chicago, right in the middle of the state. And then I moved to Hong Kong when I was nine years old. Okay. So I spoke English first. I spoke English first. I didn't know any Chinese. And so the um, – and I, I stayed in – and then I and then when I was – I moved there when I was nine, um, went to, like – an English speaking school. I didn't go to a local Chinese school. And then I graduated from that and then went back to the United States. And then I went to UC San Diego for college. Okay. Um, and then after that, I moved back. And then for a while, I worked in the US for a while. And then I moved back. So I kind of like bounced back and forth, like, like quite, quite a number of times. The, the, the older that I get, the more that I realize that my, the way how I look at the world and way how I see things is definitely more Western than I am Asian, in fact. Uh, because, I mean, number one, like English, I speak English way better than Chinese, for example. Like I can speak Chinese, I can do business in Chinese, I can speak Cantonese and Mandarin. Like I, you know, my um, my wife, she's Taiwanese, we speak Mandarin to each other all the time. So like I can do that, but like when you're, when you, you're talking about the spectrum, right? And it's a spectrum, and I my spectrum leans way more on the Western side in the way in terms of way I think, way I talk to, like the way how I lead the team. All of that has been more tilted more on the Western side, but the the Chinese, the Chinese and the Asian side, what that has influenced is more on in terms of maybe um, the way how we look at technology, like the way how uh, we look at solving uh, uh, problems, um, work ethic, you know, just putting in a lot more effort uh, than and, and, and just and being very conservative in certain aspects about uh, certain things. And I think a lot of that has influenced me in, in that type of area where it kind of blended in into the way how I see things now. But in terms of like, like how remote work work that is definitely in my opinion i think remote work is very western like there's barely any remote work in asia oh. people care about butts and seats they want to see your butt in your seat i don't care how many hours you're there i need to see you there now that's slowly changing due to the pandemic slowly but in general it's very you know face driven like, 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 as in, like, I care about, you know, my, you know, my reputation, you know, my face and all that kind of stuff. Um, but for me, like, I, I'm not really, I, I, I don't really align, not that I don't align, but I just, I don't really care too much about those types of aspects of the Chinese culture. Um, and so, like, the, the, the way how I like to interact with people is just very more straightforward. It's just like, hey, you know, make things a lot more straight and more easy to kind of work with. 
Wow, that's really interesting. I mean, it sounds like you take the best of the worlds that you know and and apply those to the way that you work and the way you interact with people. It's a recipe for success, clearly. <laughs> so it's, it's worked yeah. for you. Well, so Ho Yin, tell us about how we can find you or how we can find Remo if people want to learn about the platform. Sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I do, uh, I write articles on LinkedIn. I talk a lot about virtual events, um, entrepreneurship. So it's just linkedin.com slash um, Ho Yin Chung, H-O, and I'll, well, I'll give it to you. You can probably put it in the show notes. Put it in the show notes, yep. Mm -hmm. And Remo, you can find Remo at remo.co, R-E-M-O dot C-O. Uh, you might see the drum company, which is remo.com, but uh, it is without the M at the end. It's just remo.co. Excellent. Thank you for that. All right. So one final question that I have for you, and I ask this of all my guests, just because I want to give everybody a chance to issue either a compliment or a complaint about anything at all that you want, just something that you want to touch on that's going on in your world today. Sure, sure. So I have a rant. I have a really, really big rant. Good. Most people want to do a compliment. <laughs> so please bring it on. I'm going to be a little bit contrarian. Good. So um, my rant is that, so we've been in kind of in COVID and the pandemic for quite some time. And like, you know, COVID, um, although it has been very beneficial to the virtual events business, and, and it's been great. It's it's allowed us to put us on the map. It allows us to bring us a lot of customers. Like all that stuff is all good and dandy. But as time goes on, what I've realized is that just like everyone else, it doesn't really work where to have COVID really continue in this so-called COVID purgatory. Like for me, I want COVID to finish as quickly as possible, just as everyone else. And and so that's why, like, I feel like I'm just done with COVID. Like, I'm, I'm, like everyone else. Like, I've been done with COVID since it happened. Like, you know, since really, since, uh, since it really started. And to <laughs> yeah. me, the reason why COVID is is so bad is because COVID creates a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uncertainty. Yes. People don't know what they want to do. They don't know how to want to plan physical events or hybrid events or virtual events. There's so much uncertainty and that creates a lot of decision paralysis or a lot of, you know, we just don't know what they want to, we just don't know what we, we want to do and what we want to, we want to watch. And that makes things really difficult um, for everyone involved. And if our clients or customers are struggling, we struggle too. And so, um, so people who want to come on and they want something that's more certain and they need some guidance on that, we're here to provide any kind of help that we can for people who are struggling and trying to figure out what to do next. Excellent. The the antidote to uncertainty is, is certain help from Remo. So I think that sounds wonderful. And I appreciate the fact that you actually gave a rant and I 100% agree with you. I am also ready for this to end. Just got to learn to live with this and keep moving. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we'll get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ho Yin, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. I really appreciate you joining me here in the Room Block. This was a very interesting conversation. You are a fascinating individual. I love the platform that you've created. It's really fun to use. So I hope other people give it a try if you have not yet. And uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much. 